It is Tuesday, November 8th, 2022, better known as Election Day. And this is another edition of Baseball Today. That is not Trevor Plouffe. That is my man, Jerry Blevins. I am Chris Rose, the producer Dan along for the ride as well. And just like throughout your, how many years did you get in? 13? 13 years. 13. You get a late call in the bullpen saying you got to be ready to go. Plouffe double booked. So, you know, where did he get you? I was uh, leaving our polling station, our voting. I just voted. I was walking out. (laughs) He got me. That's amazing. You're like, wait a second. Baseball today is not on this ballot. I don't know what I'm doing. He goes, hey, man, can you fill in for me uh, on baseball today in 40 minutes? And I was like, actually, I can. He goes, oh, you're the best. And then I tried to call him because I, I was getting in the car to drive to see what the topics were. And he sent me straight to voicemail. So I figured he was busy. He said he double booked. So oh. he he knows he's at fault. And by the way, let's both wear him out from here on in for quite oh, a while. I, this is half the reason why I'm doing it, so I can hold it over his head. <laughs> it's great to have you here. Let's Thank get you. to it. Biggest news coming out of Monday was that uh, Perry Manasian, the uh, general manager of the Angels, came out and said, we are not trading Shohei Otani. Of course, Last year of his deal, uh, signed a one for 30. Do you believe Menagian? I do. I do. First of all, because I, I know him a little bit. Uh, we played, I was in Atlanta in 19 um, when he was the, um, uh, I guess, assistant general manager. Yeah, the assistant uh, to the assistant. And so to the I, assistant. I, I, he's respectable. He's honorable, though GMs have to do GM speak sometimes. Uh, but I, I wouldn't trade him either, man. He's, you know, this is an entertainment business. You have to draw seats, uh, people seats in the or butts in the seats. What bigger draw is there than uh, Shohei Otani? And on top of that, they still have to believe that they can contend with, you know, with Mike Trout, with hopefully, you know, whatever you can get. If Anthony Rendon can be healthy, they're going to have a lineup. They can supplement that with some starting pitching, need some bullpen help. Um, but they got to figure they could at least pretend to to contend at the beginning and then maybe, you know, trade him at the deadline. So I take him for his word today, <laughs> today, okay, on November 8th, but not when it's June 17th, if they haven't made any progress, like Manesian is working for his job right now. It hasn't gone well. There's going to be new ownership in place at some point, it sounds like. We don't know if that's four months from now, a year from now. We just don't know. So, and on top of that, do you want to be known as the guy that traded Shohei Otani? Exactly. I do not. Of course you don't. Of course you don't. So I get all that. But if they get to a position next June where they've hit the skids yet again and Houston's way out in front and Seattle looks like they're, you know, big time, and obviously Oakland's not going to be anything, but maybe Texas does something with Bruce Bochy now in the dugout. I don't know. But if it just doesn't feel right, are you going to let Shohei Otani walk for a comp pick? No. Is that no, really I, what I we're going to do? I think it would be irresponsible at that point for him not to trade him. Right. Um, that would be inept on the level of the Colorado Rockies that seem to be. Um, and I don't think he's got that in him. So, the trade package uh, for a healthy Shohei Otani at the deadline, you're getting a power impact bat from the left side and the starting pitcher would be enormous. So I think uh, it might even be 
more beneficial for him to trade them closer to the deadline because there's going to be some contending teams that have big holes. But I'm going to say this for the good for the good of baseball. If the Angels are not in competitive next year, if he doesn't get traded, I'm going to steal him. I'm going to kidnap him and take him wherever I want. So I'm just putting <laughs> I, that on the I'm record for that. I'll, I'll be your shotgun. That'd be great. That'd be great. <laughs> I don't know who we would, we would have to use some of the younger guys at John Boy to be able to pull this off effectively. I'm sure Dan like, knows, like knows a way. Oh, yeah. If there's somebody. It's producer Dan. That's right. Figure this out. And the but the only problem is we know exactly where he would end up if we had to throw him in the back of a trunk and take him cross country. <laughs> It'd be in some that. pinstripes for sure. All right, uh, let's talk about the team that is on top of the baseball mountaintop, the Houston Astros. They had their victory parade on Monday, which was very interesting for several reasons. Uh, following the cheating scandal of 2017, Jerry, how much did Houston need this title to create a clean championship? No, I, I don't think it could be overstated how important this championship was for them because it not only says that, yeah, they cheated, there's no denying what they did. It definitely has a, an asterisk or a tint. It's tinted, weird. Uh, but this was a pure dominance cover to cover for the most part. They're a dynasty. They have been to the World Series countless Ooh. times. Like to me, this is what the Royals thought that they were going to be. This is what the Cubs, where everybody was all about that young Cubs team with Rizzo mm-hmm. and Bryant. Uh, these guys moving up. Uh, they actually did it, and they've done it, and it's sustainable, and it looks like it's going to keep going because of the smart moves that they've made. New GM, new management, new coaching staff. And they just keep producing really, really high-quality teams. To me, this is a dynasty, and this championship was something they needed to really put that stamp on it. Um, it's interesting you call them a dynasty. Can you? So you think two wins, including one that's shady because they cheated, and four World Series appearances in a six-year span, that's good enough to be a dynasty in your book? Yeah, because uh, it's not over. I think their ability to contend, it looks like the window is still open. But even if this was it, in baseball terms, to me, that's a dynasty. That's a window. That's the era of when I was coming up, the Yankees of late mid to late 90s. That's what I grew up in. They're easy to hate. I hated the Yankees because they were so good for that major stretch of time. The, The Astros are that right now. It's easy for me to hate them. Even though I love Dusty Baker, I'm happy for him. I don't like the favorite to win every year. I, I want to root for an underdog, and they're the opposite of an underdog. Yeah. So, well, I get the Yankees. They won four in, in five years. They, you know, they win 96, 98, 99, 2000. The Giants won 10, 12, and 14, but then were a non-factor in a couple of those years. They missed the playoffs. Is that a dynasty? No, uh, that's an amazing team. Those They weren't. They didn't even make the playoffs in those years, I don't think. So it was weird. And those guys were fun. To me, that was fun. Even though I was on the other side of the bay in Oakland, watching it, admiring it, angry about it, they did it in a fun way. The Astros are just this juggernaut powerhouse. It just seems like it's in like it seems like it's going to last forever because they just got Jeremy Pena after letting um, you know, uh, Correa. Carlos Correa go, they fill it in yep. with a younger, better version. Like that's not fair. No, you're right. Uh, and I guess we've gotten a little off track of the question, but so I'm going to circle back here. They needed this. And in particular, five guys needed it. 
the five guys that were left from that 2017 championship, right? Altuve, Bregman, Guriel, McCullers, Verlander. Because I've often thought about this. How many times do you think they've worn their World Series championship rings outside of the Houston area? Yeah, I'm not uh, very rarely. Those guys aren't going to wear that in January, but even less so knowing that it has this this tint that's tainted in a sense. Uh, right. They'll be wearing this one, you know, maybe around their necks on the field next year. And they they and they should, by the way, they should <laughs> agree. This was done with no questions. That we're aware of, right? I mean, we God Almighty, if they're pulling off another cheating scandal, I guess kudos to them because <laughs> this one would be with all of us having both eyes squarely focused on that one. Um, they and they deserve to do that. You know, they should come out and hold up their ring finger and point it to the crowd. I think those guys have. I don't. I would be shocked if it even was brought out of the box over the last five years. Yeah, very, you know, outside of Houston, maybe some like speaking engagements, charity events. But even then, even then, you know, it's still an amazing accomplishment. Um, Maybe Verlander probably wore it because he's like, look, I'm not hitting. (laughs) Right. You know, but uh, yeah, this one will be this one will be worn uh, probably way more than than any other. Yep, they needed it and they got it. And um, and good for the fans in Houston, because I think that. It's been very uh, acrimonious, a lot of the talk back and forth between the rest of the baseball fandom and Houston saying, hey, listen, this is our first title. We should be able to enjoy it. Like the fans didn't decide to cheat, so they have to decide to back up cheaters. Now they've got this one to enjoy fully as a fan base without having to apologize. So I think it's good for for everybody involved from that. I agree with that. Uh, today's edition of Baseball Today is presented to you by BetterHelp Therapy Online. You've heard me talk a lot about this. Uh, I've been in therapy on and off ever since I was a little kid, and I am so happy that, you know, when I was six or seven years old that my parents did this. There wasn't anything per se that I was going through that I needed a singular therapy session for. They just always taught me that it was a great idea to talk about whatever's going on in your life at a very early age. And I've impressed that upon my family as well as I've become an adult and a a father of two kids. Um, Here's the deal with better help. It's done strictly online. Uh, It's all confidential. Obviously they match you up with a therapist because life is not easy. And I don't care whether things are going great in your professional world and maybe in your personal life, things are a little rocky. I don't care if things are going great in your personal life and professionally, you don't know exactly where you're going next in a very uneasy world. We all need people to talk to. Um, You learn coping skills, self-empowerment. If you have dealt with trauma, obviously there are people that are there um, to help you out. So you will get matched up with a professionally licensed therapist that are vetted. They're available 100% online. All the benefits of seeing somebody in person, but it's more convenient, more accessible, and more affordable as well. And speaking of being affordable, um, go to BetterHelp. BetterHelp.com slash baseball today. You're going to save 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash baseball today. Save 10% off your first month. This is a big deal. I'm telling you, I believe in it. I know Jerry believes in it. There's a lot of people in the sports world that have said talking to a therapist has helped unlock a lot of things to help them become better at what they do and who they are in life. So go get that help. 
today. Uh, we continue on, and one of the reasons I'm wearing the Mets hat is obviously my good friend Jerry Blevins does a lot of work for SNY up there, but also because he became, what are we calling you, Blevinstramus or whatever, based on <laughs> this little clip from Shea Station. This feels like Diaz is the guy yeah. moving for the next few years. You know, well, he's gonna get a he's gonna get some years. Yeah, I, I imagine a five year, hundred million. Do I hold it against you that you were off by two million? <laughs> Please do, but I was the closest to without going over. This is the Price oh. is Right rules, so I still win. So you win Edwin Diaz's and the next best closers <laughs> free agent contract as well. You win yeah, both Yeah, man, That's uh, good. I'm I'm happy on so many fronts for that. As a fellow reliever, obviously not on that caliber by any stretch of the word, um, but I'm happy. There's finally a guy that broke that that barrier that that did it in the right time, and he well deserved it. I don't think the argument can be made uh, from any real baseball minds that feel like that's that he wasn't going to get that on the open market. Well, so the big question is: uh, Is it a great deal for New York? Or at some point, do they regret giving five years to a reliever? Um, I personally think it's a great deal. I think there's a lot of things that go in his favor. He's young. He's entering his age 29 season. All the mm-hmm. other relievers that signed bigger deals, high AAV, were you know already established in their 30s. The Liam Hendricks, um, you know Kenley Jansen, these guys. Uh, but he's so young and he's already had some adversity. He had a really rough year in New York when he first got traded over in 2019. He's grown from that. So he's already learned how to deal with struggles and he handled it with maturity as a professional. He stood in front of his locker in the New York media, which, you know, is very hard to do. And he stood there and took it, understood that that was part of his job. And I think it's a great deal for them as a baseball club because there's nobody else out there that can do that. And if you're going to contend as a New York Mets and think that you're, you're viable, um, you, he was irreplaceable unless you make an amazing trade for class a or somebody like that, but you're going to give up even more than that on the back end. So I think it's a good deal for the Mets and obviously for Edwin Diaz, because This is like a litmus test for future relievers that come into market at his age because he was getting it somewhere out there. There was going to be a team that gave him this. It was all over projections. I wasn't the only person that said five years, 100 million. I think it was pretty well established that he was going to get that because of his age experience, all that. Um, And if he's successful, he won't be the last one. But I think this is a true test of can a guy – be elite for this kind of stretch of time. So I think if they give three years of this kind of production and then a little bit of a dip at the end, I think it's still worth it. I'm I'm with you. Um, yeah. Is he going to strike out 18 guys per nine every season? Probably not of this five-year deal. I always ask the question, if a team gives you a large, large contract, does it stop them from doing the everyday business of baseball and getting better? And with the owner that the Mets have, the answer to me is no. Now, will they go over the threshold so many times that they start to get penalized and their draft pick drops 10 spots? That could happen. Absolutely. But what's the first thing Stevie Cohen said when he took over the Mets? He said, we have five years to get this shit right. And if not, I haven't done my job. Well, aren't we entering like year four coming up? I think this is year three. Three. I think year one was the Lindor year. 
the first year of Lindor trading okay. for Lindor. And, and this that was, was a, yeah, that was a disappointing year, 2021. And then this was his, this past season was, I think a very successful year. I think that was his second. Totally. Year, so. Yeah. Now he's, so he's going to do whatever he can. And that means he's not going to let the guy who was the premier closer in baseball and has been two of the last four, whatever five, I forget what year it was. He, he dominated in Seattle as well. So, it makes sense. It's not going to prevent him from spending more money. I can't believe that in budget meetings, he's going, yeah, guys, we really got to squeeze that one. He's <laughs> like, this This is like his his toy. Yeah, this he's, is his he's, toy, and he wants to win at the game. He's, so willing, to, he's willing to lose a little bit on this for, for his pride. This is his, this is his baby. This is his, his love, his passion. Uh, I think this does, this signing does more than just get your premier closer. It shows the, the free agents, the former players that you care about the person as well. He, the fact that he went out and gave him his market value, he didn't low ball to try to, to get Edwin Diaz to, to sign a team friendly deal. He showed that he's loyal to players. He went out, talked about it, had him over for dinner. If I'm a premier player like a Justin Verlander or even Max Scherzer coming in and I see the way he takes care of his guys, I want to play for a guy yep. like that because you know that you're going to contend or at least you're going to try to contend as long as you're being long as you're showing results on the field he's got your back like this guy cares about you as a person he understands what you mean that you're not just a chess piece on the board he, he treats you like a human being and I think that is very attractive for some of those premier like this is now a destination it's not to go play in Queens people are going to want to come even more now because they know if they produce they're, they're going to have some options. I, I just think it's yeah. a, a healthy signing for an organization on so many fronts. That's the great point. Uh, we talked at the top of the show. Today is election day. When it comes to a baseball ballot, um, one of the more interesting dates I'm keeping my eye on is December 4th. Uh, that is when the eight-person contemporary baseball era ballot will be voted upon. And the two guys who are headlining this ballot, Barry Bonds, and Roger Clemens. Now, let's keep in mind, these are players who didn't get elected by the BBWAA. They played uh, starting after 1980, the eight guys on this ballot, and now their Cooperstown fate will be in the hands of a 16-person panel of Hall of Fame players, former executives, and media members. You need 12 votes to get in. Okay, so you still need that 75%. Do you think Bonds and Clemens get in? Do Do we know who's on the on the uh, voting? Not Not yet. Um, is that going to be made public? Yes, it is. It is made public. Um, it is. Yeah, it is made so public. That's interesting. I feel like they're not going to get it. I feel like it because I feel like some of the Hall of Fame players who went in, you know, without any talk of steroids or performance enhancers are going to hold them to that level of standard. Um and keep them accountable for, for cheating. And I think, I don't think they're going to get in from the player's perspective. I, I would be surprised. Let's just put it that way. Uh, I don't think they get in either. Um, you know, I've said this since day one, since they were first on the ballot, that if I had a ballot, I would have voted yes. I'm not a baseball writer of America. I've never had a vote. Um, I always felt like the sport didn't care back then. 
So, and for some reason, they pushed through Bud Selig. I mean, that guy benefited as much as anyone. And so did the owners and everything else from everybody turning a blind eye to this sort of stuff. So we're strictly going to pinpoint a couple of guys. And oh, by the way, baseball writers of America, all you people who sit there and throw stones at Bonds and Clemens, you know y'all voted for some guys who did it. You know it. Just because you couldn't prove it, just because their names weren't on a list, just because they weren't dragged in front of a grand jury, you know you did. And I'm just saying it's a freaking museum, and it's a beautiful place. Have you been up to Cooperstown? I have. It is wonderful. We were talking about rings. I think one of my favorite things is the display of all the World Series rings, and you can see throughout the years. It's pretty cool to see. Beautiful place. And um, I think part of our job is to look uh, a couple hundred years into the future and say, we have to teach people when we're not here anymore what the sport was like. I mean, we were embarrassed that it took until 1947 for Jackie Robinson to break the baseball color barrier. Should we just act like that didn't happen? Like, it's our job to tell the stories of the down parts of this sport, too. And you know what? If you want to mention that Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, PEDs, go for it. Put it on that plaque. They have to explain it, too. There's some people that saying, well, wait, why should they get all the accolades and everything that comes with being a Hall of Famer? I, I get that. I understand it. But I would vote him in. With all that being said, I don't think this committee will do it. I I feel the same way. Now, I, I took I would have it took me a little bit longer to take a step back because I was pretty angry too, being a player. Mm-hmm. I I still think it's vile, but I do agree with you that it was an entire entity it wasn't just the players they, it was allowed it was encouraged almost to to push this they were they turned a blind eye on purpose they they allowed these things to happen and so i'm not taking fault away from those guys and i still have some deep-seated anger towards people i i missed out on some things when guys got popped for peds in my playing time so I still think they should they deserve to get in because Barry Bonds still owns the home run record, in my opinion. Right. Um, Roger Clemens is one of the greatest right-handed pitchers of all time. Like there's there's no question. I would like them to get in so we could move on and and change the discussion, the narrative, to where every year these guys are on a ballot, we have to talk about it. They're going to get in at some point. These guys are. It's an entire section of baseball players in an era. Let them in. Move on. Let's talk about it. Let's put it on the plaque, like you said. It, I, I was very angry for a long time, but now it's time. When the it's time for them to get in, and like you said, this is the hard part for me. This is the the final nail in the coffin. There are people that got voted in that I guarantee were PED users that were. Everybody knew that they were PED users, but because their names weren't Bonds or Clemens, they they turned a blind eye. So you can either not vote for anybody or vote for them all. And I, there's no gray area for me. You can't pick right. and choose. So get them, let them all in, and then we'll just put a stamp on it. And you could talk about it when we bring them up. And by the way, the last point I have to make is that one of the eight players that you're eligible to vote for here is Rafael Palmero. I would not have put him on this ballot. To me, there is certainly a line of delineation. He's a guy who did get popped after the new rule went into place. 
Once you are penalized, once you, once the sport had the ability to penalize you for PEDs, that's when you're off the ballot in my book. So I wouldn't wow. vote for Paul Merrow. I wouldn't vote for A-Rod. I wouldn't vote for Manny Ramirez. I that's, agree with that. I'm but that's that. me. And, and you can feel the way you want to. Uh, last thing before we get out of here on the podcast and YouTube side of things, John Hamm voiced a um, the Trey Turner free agency hype video, which came out yesterday and was very interesting. Here's just a little taste in case you haven't seen it on social media. Trey Turner makes the game of baseball more fun to watch. He's who you pay to watch play. Every sport has those types of stars. The greatest athletes of all time, they have their own style, their own substance. I think we all know Trey's. It's the smoothness of his game. It looks effortless, but it's actually just efficient athleticism. These are qualities that will age like fine wine. Take Jerry Rice, Steph Curry. These types of athletes and body types combine to form durability and longevity. And so it was pretty cool. I don't know if Trey Turner actually needs a hype video because I think he's probably going to do pretty well in free agency. But hey, if it gets him a couple million more, good for him. And I hope he takes John Hamm out to a nice dinner, which I'm sure he would. With all that being said, if you could have somebody voice a hype video for Jerry Blevins, who would it be? Oh, that's great. I love the video. It reminds me, uh, it's good for baseball too. It reminds me of the Cespedes workout video. That needed some major <laughs> narrative, you know. Uh, but funny. for me, so there's two answers. There's one alive, and that's uh, Liv Schreiber, the voice Ooh, of Hard Knocks. That would be amazing. Uh, Very good. I, it made me want to watch the Detroit Lions. Uh, <laughs> that's how good Liv Schreiber is. <laughs> um, the other one is staying kind of in the same arena. I'm taking John Facenda from NFL Films, oh. like lore. Give me that. And I think his name was Sam Spence, the composer. To if you can slow it down, show me performing in slow motion with John Facenda, who they called the voice of God. I'm for yeah. that. So that's my posthumous pick. The autumn wind is a radar. <laughs> uh, now it might be Chris Rose. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty good. Great choices. I'm going to go with one. In part because he's a Clevelander. He went to Miami University like I did. He is an entertainer much more than I am. I am going with the Miz. If you need a hype man, I am calling the Miz. I, I mean, I, I'll tell you, I will get any sort of deal I want. If he walks into a room, forget about him just voicing over the piece. I am bringing him as part of the negotiations. He's walking in the door. I'm walking out. I'm going to say, hey, meet my new agent. It's the Miz. I'll be back. Let me know what we got. So <laughs> Jimmy and Jake, when it's time to pay the papa, the dad of John Boy Media, don't be surprised if the Miz comes in. I, I hope that happens. I would love that. I would pay to be a fly on the wall in those negotiations. Fellow yeah, Ohioan, I love the Miz, man. His story is awesome, too, and I think that would be great. Uh, you, went, you went for sheer entertainment and kind oh, of in yeah. your face. I love that approach. Yeah, yeah. By the way, how great would it be to see the Miz and Jake Storiali going back and forth, haggling over shekels in the same room? <laughs> again if the john boy is a media company so they should put that live and uh i would tune into that. it live yeah. rose negotiations live with the miz that's a true peak behind great. the curtains and paxton would have him coming in doing what's inside the box and uh <laughs> and guess what flavor oreo this is 
I could see it all just coming. It's perfect. It's perfect. I'm for it. Uh, Jerry, how often can we see you on Shea Station in the offseason? Uh, we're we're once a week now. We're doing obviously okay. we have the, the the Edwin Diaz news, but we're we're picking uh, big free agent hopefuls, talking about all the guys, including Degrom that, that opted out, uh, Nimmo going on the free agency. Um, our next episode will come out next week. Uh, we're talking about taking five outside. Uh, free agents that aren't associated with the the current form of the Mets and seeing where they fit in, who our hopefuls are. Jolly picks five, I pick five, and then we we see what matches up. Love to hear that. Uh, excuse me. I'll be taping with Miguel Rojas today. He's got a new manager in Miami. Uh, always good stuff. I believe that's going to come out tomorrow or Thursday. We'll let you know, though. Uh, Want to thank producer Dan, one of a kind as always, and especially Jerry Blevins for getting the late call from the bullpen and hold this over Trevor Plouffe's head From here to eternity, I am Chris Rose. We will see you next time here on Baseball Today.